Chapter 17 of Balsamo the Magician by Alexander Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Royal Clock Repairer In the Hall of the Clocks in Versailles Palace, a pink-cheeked and meek-eyed young gentleman was walking about with a somewhat vulgar step. His arms were pendant and his head sunk forward. He was in his seventeenth year. He was recognizable as the king's heir by being the living image of the bourbon race most exaggerated louis auguste duke of berry and heir to the throne as the dauphin soon wearied of his lounge and stopped to gaze with an air of one who understood horology on the great clock in the back of the hall it was a universal machine which told of time to the century with the lunar phases and the courses of the planets and was always the prince's admiration suddenly the hands on which his eyes were fastened came to a standstill. A grain of sand had checked the mechanism, and the masterpiece was dead. On seeing this misfortune, the royal one forgot what he had come to do. He opened the clock-case, glazed door, and put his head inside to see what was the matter. All at once he uttered a cry of joy, for he had spied a screw loose, of which the head had worked up and caught another part of the machinery and with a tortoise-shell pick in one hand, and holding the wheel with the other, he began to fix the screw with his head in the box. Thus absorbed, he never heard the usher at the door cry out, "'The king!' Louis was some time glancing about, before he spied the prince's legs as he stood half-eclipsed before the clock. "'What the deuce are you doing there?' he asked as he tapped his son on the shoulder. The amateur clockmaker drew himself out with the proper precautions for so noble a timepiece. "'Oh, your majesty, I was just killing time while you were not present.' "'By murdering my clock? Pretty amusement!' "'Oh, no, only setting it to rights. A screw was loose, and—' "'Never mind mechanics. What do you want of me?' i am eager to be off to marley he started for the door always trying to avoid awkward situations is it money you are after i will send you some nay i have savings out of my last quarter's money what a miser and yet a spendthrift was his tutor i believe he has all the virtues missing in me sire is not the bride near at hand yet your bride i should say fifty leagues off are you in a hurry the prince royal blushed i am not eager for the motive you think no so much the worse hang it all you are sixteen and the princess very pretty you are warranted in being impatient cannot the ceremonies be curtailed for at this rate she will be an age coming i don't think the travelling arrangements are well made the mischief thirty thousand horses placed along the route with men and carts and coaches how can you believe there is bad management when i have made all these arrangements sire in spite of these i am bound to say that i think as in the case of your clock there is a screw loose the progress has been right royally arranged but did your majesty make it fully understood 
that all the horses men and vehicles were to be employed by the dauphiness a vague suspicion annoyed the monarch who looked hard at his heir this suggestion agreed with another idea fretting him certainly he replied of course you are satisfied then the bride will arrive on time and she is properly attended to you are rich with your savings and you can wind up my clock and set it going again i have a good mind to appoint you clockmaker extraordinary to the royal household do you hear and laughing he was going to snatch the opportunity to slip away when as he opened the door he faced a man on the sill louis drew back a step Choiseul, he exclaimed i had forgotten she was to send him to me never mind he shall pay for my son irritating me so you have come my lord you heard i wanted you yes sire replied the prime minister coldly i was dressing to come anyway good i have serious matters to discuss said the sovereign frowning to intimidate the minister who was unfortunately the hardest man to browbeat in the kingdom very serious matters i have to discuss too he replied with a glance for the dauphine who was skulking behind the clock oh thought the king my son is my foe too i am in a triangle with woman minister and son and cannot escape i come to say that the viscount jean was nearly murdered in an ambush nay that he was wounded in the forearm in a duel i know it perfectly so do i and i will tell you the true story we listen responded choiseul for the prince is concerned in the affray so far as it was on account of the dauphiness the dauphiness and jean du Berret in some way connected questioned the king this is getting curious bray explain my lord and conceal nothing was it the princess who gave the sword thrust to du Berry? not her highness but one of the officers of her escort replied choiseul as calm as ever one whom you know no sire but your majesty ought to know him if your majesty remembers all his old servants for his father fought for you at fontenoy philipsburg and mahon he is tavernay redcastle the dauphine mutely repeated the title to engrave it on his mind certainly i know the redcastles returned louis why did he fight against jean whom i like unless because i like him absurd jealousy outbreaks of discontent and partial sedition does the defender of the royal princess deserve this reproach said the duke i must say said the prince rising erect and folding his arms i am grateful to the young gentleman who risked his life for a lady who will shortly be my wife
"'What did he risk his life for?' queried the king. "'Because the Chevalier Jean, in a hurry, wanted to take the horses set aside by your majesty for the royal bride.' The king bit his lips and changed color, for the new way of presenting the case was again a menacing phantom. "'Yes, Chevalier du Barry was putting the insult on the royal house of taking the reserved royal horses, when up came the Chevalier Redcastle, sent onward by her highness, and after much civil remonstrance—' "'Oh!' protested the king. "'Civil?' a military man it was so interposed the dauphine i have been fully informed du barry whipped out his sword was he the first to draw demanded the king the prince blushed and looked to choiseul for support the fact is the two crossed swords the latter hastened to say one having insulted the lady the other defending her and your majesty's property but who was the aggressor for jean is mild as a lamb said the monarch glad that things were getting equalized the officer must have been malapere impertinent to a man who was dragging away the horses reserved for your majesty's destined daughter exclaimed choiseul is this possible hasty anyway said the king as the dauphin stood pale without a word a zealous servitor can never do wrong remarked the duke receding a step come now how did you get the news asked the king of his son without losing sight of the minister who was troubled by this abrupt question i had an advice from one who was offended by the insult to the lady of my choice secret correspondence eh exclaimed the sovereign plots plots here you are beginning to worry me again as in the days of pompadour no this is only a secondary matter let the culprit be punished and that will end the affair at the suggestion of punishment louis saw jeanne furious and chan up in arms punish without hearing the case he said i have signed quite enough blank committals to jail a pretty mess you are dragging me into duke but what a scandal if the first outrage to the princess is allowed to go unpunished sire i entreat your majesty said the dauphin what don't you think the sword cut was enough punishment no sire for he might have wounded lieutenant tavernay in that case i should have asked for his head nay said the dauphin i only ask for his banishment exile for an alehouse scuffle said the king in spite of your philosophical notions you are harsh louis 
it is true that you are a mathematician and such are hard as well they would sacrifice the world to have their ciphering come out correct sire i am not angry with chevalier du Berry personally but as he insulted the dauphiness what a model husband sneered the king but i am not to be gulled in this way i see that i am attacked under all these blinds it is odd that you cannot let me live in my own way but must hate all whom i like and like all i dislike am i mad or sane am i the master or not the prince went back to the clock choiseul bowed as before no answer eh why don't you say something do you want to worry me into the grave with your petty hints and strange silence your paltry spites and minute dreads i do not hate chevalier du Barry, said the prince i do not dread him added choiseul you are both bad at heart went on the sovereign trying to be furious but only showing spite do you want me to realize the fable with which my cousin of prussia jeers me that mine is the court of king petard no i shall do nothing of the kind i stand on my honor in my own style and will defend it similarly sire said the prince with his inexhaustible meekness but eternal persistency your majesty's honor is not affected it is the dignity of the royal princess which is struck at let chevalier jean make excuses then as he is free to do but he is free to do the other thing i warn your majesty that the affair will be talked of if thus dropped said the prime minister who cares do as i do let the public chatter and heed them not unless you like to laugh at them i shall be deaf to all the sooner they make such a noise as to deafen me the sooner i shall cease to hear them think over what i say for i am sick of this i am going to marley where i can get a little quiet if i am not followed out there at least i shall not meet your sister the lady louise there for she has retired to the nunnery of saint denis but the dauphin was not listening to this news of the breaking up of his family it is going he exclaimed in delight real or feigned as the clock resumed its regular tickings the minister frowned and bowed himself out backward from the hall where the heir to the throne was left alone the king going into his study paced it with long strides i can clearly see that choiseul is railing at me the prince looks on himself as half the master and believes he will be entirely so when he mounts with this austrian to the throne my daughter louise loves me but she preaches morality and she gives me the go-by to live in the nunnery my three other girls sing songs about me and poor jean the count of provence is translating lucretius his brother of artois is running wild about the streets decidedly 
none but this poor countess loves me devil take those who try to displease her sitting at the table where his father signed papers his treaties and grandiloquent epistles the son of the great king took up the pen i understand why they are all hastening the arrival of the archduchess but i am not going to be perturbed by her sooner than can be helped and he wrote an order for governor stainville to stop three days at one city and three at another with the same pen he wrote dear countess this day we installed zamore in his new government i am off for marley but i will come over to lucienne this evening to tell you all i am thinking about at present france la belle he said to his confidential valet away with this to the countess and my advice is for you to keep in her good graces End of chapter 17 Recording by John Van Stan Savannah, Georgia